This is the Creative Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lopez. Hope you enjoy this podcast. It's set up and designed for coaches, leaders, and influencers to share their stories and inspire others to share their stories as well. That we can all learn together as a community and get better every day. So thank you for listening. You're season two. Today's guest is Addie Lees. Coach Lees is the head coach for the women's program at Kilgore College. We talked to her today about her journey, creating opportunities for others, that it's not about what you do, but what you deliver. We talked about declarations, work ethic, vision, and purpose for your success. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thanks for having me today. I really appreciate it. Coach Lees, uh, I really uh, appreciate you coming on to share your perspective with us. Uh, I do enjoy every time I have a coach on and head coaches and assistants and dobos and GAs and video guys and gals. Uh, but, I, you know, from the JUCO perspective is one perspective that I have a lot of uh, admiration for and respect for. Because uh, I know some of the intricacies of that, and how challenging it could be on mm-hmm. on both ends, on the coaching end and the players end, and so uh, just you know here again, appreciate you coming on. So, coach, how were you introduced to the game of basketball coming out of Plainview, Texas? Well, I think I was introduced uh, from a young age, just being on a blacktop, uh, playing at recess, always playing with the boys. You know, there there wasn't a lot of females that wanted to play, you know, the game of basketball, and. Yeah. Um, didn't really have a lot of opportunities to, you know, go to camps and do a lot of things because I'm from a single parent home, you know, Hispanic and, you know, the resources were never there. And growing up in the poverty aspect, uh, you know, you learn, uh, you don't need those things. And so, you know, all you got is each other, but you know, the, the escape was, was the playground. And, um, you know, I come from, you know, being from Plainview, it is, is known for a, a lot of things, and one of those things is basketball. Um, yeah. Right up the road, we have the Wayland Baptist Flying Queens. Yeah. And if you look back in history, uh, those are the women, the pioneers of, of women's basketball that held records well before anybody like, you know, a Tennessee or a UConn. Yeah. And uh, I think that was, uh, I was very, uh, I was intrigued by that growing up because I would always hear the stories. And, um, you know, we have a, Plainview Bulldogs, you know, that's our high school. And so you would hear stories of all these athletes, you know, big names coming out. And I think it was always just an interesting sport to me. And so I I, I stuck with it. Thank goodness I did, right? Yeah, no, no. You know, those things, uh, you know, down here in San Antonio, uh, I went to a basketball camp, right, when I was probably eight years old, nine years old, something like that. And you know, it was at St. Mary's University down here on the west side of San Antonio, which is impoverished and, and kind of just at times you can say it's run down or but the people are beautiful and the, and the community is beautiful. It's a, it's a community my parents grew up in. And so I know it well. And, uh, you know, that was my first taste of, you know, basketball, period. Never mind high school and uh, Spurs or whatever. It was that that in, inspired me to pursue, you know, getting better at the game. And so when you talk about those things 
in, in the community you grew, you grew up in, I can really sympathize with that because there's this sense of belonging. You, uh, you connect with that and you all of a sudden become enthralled in it if you're called to do it, I guess is the best way to put it. So yeah, no, thank God you did Absolutely. coach. You found, you found, you found your niche, your calling, your lane, however you want yeah. to put it. That's great. So coach, what was your experience like as a player? Oh my goodness. Unbelievable. I'm, I mean, um, I, I take it back, you know, from those elementary days and I knew that opportunities were few, but I was, I was just little chubby Hispanic girl, you know, with those white tube socks and uh, shirt tucked in. And on a good day, I might have a matching scrunchie. And <laughs> I just felt, I just felt like this is it. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And I knew I was going to coach when I was in grade school. I knew it. Wow. And I, I think as a player, um, it, it wasn't necessarily just a game. It was the teaching. And so, um, you know, when I, I was looking at things like in PE or my first AAU coach, it was like, you mean to tell me if I practice these skills and I get better, I could play, you know, on a, on a club team, I could, I can do these things. Yeah. And it, it, it just became this thing I wanted to do every single day. And I played for um, a program, uh, the Running Rebels. And then, uh, you know, they became the West Texas Bulls and, I played AAU. I played BCI back in the day when they had it. So we're going to nationals. We're going to the Junior Olympics. We're doing a lot of things. And uh, my AAU coach, Stan Newman, he was actually the first person to tell me, hey, if you keep working at this thing and you stick with it and you help your teammates get better, you can win a state championship. And so I I, I said, okay, yes, sir. You know, and I was thinking, okay, what do I have to do to do that? And so I'm at a young age, again, coming up, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, thinking about a state championship. So, um, you know, I got to high school, and that first year, uh, that team actually went to state and won it in 2001. And I had a uh, my high school coach, Danny Wren, who actually just retired. Um, he told me, "Hey, you know, we've got a, a point guard who's graduating. You know, one of the greatest to ever come to that program." And I said, "Yes, sir, I understand." And he said, "Well, you know, the position's open, but it's going to go to the person that that really you know works for it. You know, he doesn't believe in giving anybody you know the PT." Yeah. So. I just looked at him and I, I was just nodding my head, yes, sir. And he's like, do you think you can help us do something great again and help us get back to state? And, of course, my answer is yes, sir. And I went to work. And uh, I won state uh, my sophomore year of high school. Yeah. And I won state my junior year of high school. And my senior year, uh, we actually made it to the final game again. Wow. And this time we were the runner-up finish. Um, we played the same team we've been playing every single year. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the difference is that senior year, we didn't have, you know, the All-Americans, the McDonald's players the people going to division one you know it was, it was a lot of players that were the underdogs and underrepresented but you know we had to remind people time and time again hey we've been here before and we've had key roles in this this whole time um so sit back relax and watch the show but if you're with us let's roll and if not just move out of the way and keep reading those newspapers you know wow. um but as far as the experience I, I can't compare it to any other thing uh it, it's it's a blessing to have been a part of something so phenomenal yeah. And, you know, that led to the the recruitment, you know, of going into college. And so I'm getting letters, you know, from a number of schools at all levels and things. And I don't even know what to do with myself because, again, <laughs> you have this uh, – my thought process is, um, okay, you, you don't have the money to pay for school. How are you going to pay for school? But your dream has always been to play collegiate basketball. Yeah. So let's find a way, you know. And um, I ended up selecting the JUCO route. And everybody was like, why are you going JUCO? Why? 
well, everybody's path is different. And so I ended up going to Midland College, and um, I knew I was good at basketball, but I wanted to be better than good. And so that was, that was the, one of the best decisions I made because I was playing with people, with guards that would just run up and grab the rim, uh, people from all around the world. Yeah. And I was like, okay, now is the true test. Now we get to see this. Um, and, you know, after Midland, I played at the University of Arkansas Monticello. Um, again, people are saying, why is she choosing Division Two? You know, and, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with Division Two, but I knew that that would be more of a fit for me um, and, and for the coach that was there at the time, uh, Coach Ratcliffe. And um, I, I just, every season, okay, we made it to the postseason, so we're winning. And, and how did this carry over? Well, I think it started in the elementary school all the way up to AAU to high school. Yeah. You know, winning winning isn't easy, but once you're accustomed to it and you've got the discipline, right, to, to make those things happen, then the reward comes later. And so my, my experience as a player was phenomenal. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, you know, Coach, you said something really key there. And I, and I want our listeners and, and coaches out there to really understand this because – I experienced something similar to that. I went to a small private high school, right? And uh, mm-hmm. it was all boys, and we ran out four state championships in a row in football, right? So I'm not trying to one-up you, Coach, but mm-hmm. it, just to kind of give a, 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 a kind of set up what I, what I want to say is that you people say, well, yeah, that was a small school. Yeah, those were small schools that you won at. Winning's winning. It's a learned habit. It's something that mm-hmm. builds your confidence. And when you walk away from that situation, you feel like you can conquer the mm-hmm. world. And so I always tell coaches, Absolutely. man, what, whatever level you're at, just win. Look to win because mm-hmm. you'll produce a mountain movers, world changers based on that fact. If you have a culture of winning, you're, you're going to produce winners. I mean, that's I think every coach needs to understand that because they feel like, well, you know, we're just here at this division and it doesn't get a lot of run. We don't even get on the local newspaper and there's only 50 people mm-hmm. in the town or whatever. And make the big time where you're at, you know, learn to learn to have right. a winning culture where you're at, because what it does for your players, for their self-esteem, for their confidence, not just not just then, but afterwards in life, in every situation that they're, you know, they're facing a challenge they feel like they can overcome it. And I just think that's what you're saying. And that's what I'm hearing is like, man, and no matter what, we are going to bring it and we're going to work. You know, you say those type of words, uh, coach, it just tells me y'all had so much confidence in, in yourself as well. You know, you could be in any situation oh, and, and have the ultimate oh. confidence. So, yeah, I, I just, I really wanted to key in on that because that's something that I, I just, I don't know. I went through it. I saw it. I lived it, and so did you. And I just think, man, if every player and every coach could have that experience, uh, and the wins and losses, they'll take care of themselves. But what happens in the inside, in your mind and in your heart, mm-hmm. and in your, your self-awareness and self-confidence, all that, mm-hmm. self-esteem. Wow. That's good stuff, man. Mm-hmm. It's coach, it's really, really, really good stuff. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, so, so who or what influenced you to go into the coaching profession? Um, well, I think it wasn't uh, necessarily about the coaching. Again, I think it was more about the teaching. Um, okay. Again, uh, my mother, my mother um, was a teacher. She taught us how to do things from a young age that most kids probably wouldn't learn how to do until they're like teenagers or out of high school. And it was because of the demands. You know, she's working a full time job, 
going to school full time and raising four kids by herself. And did she do it? Uh, she wore the cape. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Okay. And I think um, going into this, um, if I was at somebody's house, you know, because we didn't have cable or anything, I would see sometimes on the TV like uh, NBA stuff. Yeah. And I would I would be like, wow, they're, they're playing on the TV, and there's you know coaches and it's like just the whole. Uh, the whole opera, and I'm thinking, wow, this is amazing, and I think that's really why I stuck to it. I was glued to it, and then you know, just coming into contact with uh, Stan Newman, um, who's actually still working with with young people, and I think seeing him and what he did and what he was doing for younger people, and see, the key here is he created an opportunity for me, and statistically, you know, and I hate saying this as cliche as it sounds. Uh, none of my siblings were supposed to be successful, okay? Right, right. None of us were supposed to do, you name it. I'm not even going to name the list because I get tired of hearing it. But yeah. but this man saw something in me that I didn't see in myself yet. Yeah. And so going into this, um, as I'm learning and going through just the years of basketball, I, I'm in turn trying to create opportunities for other people. And I think other than Stan Newman, I, I would have to say Royce Blackshear. He, he coached me on my, my Bulls team. And uh, I'll say this too that they both were coaches, you know, at um, you know high school and uh, other levels, you know, club basketball. But those two could have coached collegiately. Yeah. Their their brains and how they're wired, wow! And I think that's just it. It, it really reassured, uh, you know, the influence, especially when it came to the profession. And so again, I'm one of those random kids, you know, in, in grade school. What do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? I, I always knew I was going to coach. And wow. so, and I really do appreciate, you know, those two people, um, other than my mother, you know, being that influence for me. Yeah. You know, we, as coaches, I, I, I can tell you, and you know it too, coach, we have so much time with our players to influence them and impact their lives. But when they go back home, that's almost the bigger influence, uh, they're the, the culture, mm -hmm. the lifestyle, whatever they're accustomed to usually is what takes over. And we feel sometimes like, man, I, I thought I was getting through to them. And they went back home and came right. back a different person or the same person they were before. And so, yeah, yeah, you see your mom grind away, work hard, never complain. Uh, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. And, yep. you, and, yep. you, and you, real, yep. you realize the, the statistics are against you, that you could just become mm -hmm. another number. Uh, and I think, you know, we've all been through that, those of us who are minorities, like, yeah, I don't want to be a statistic. I don't want to be another number. And it's unfortunate that we're kind of still dealing with that in, in our society today. However, there are those of us that we can't, we can get our minds right if we just study those who came before us. And like you talked about mm -hmm. your mom, we talk about our, you know, us in our culture, man, we talk about family and, and parents yep. and, and everybody. If they can do it, we can do it. I think that's the Absolutely. mindset. The mindset is like, I can't fall victim to what society or statistics or a talking head say I am or who I'm going to be. So mm -hmm. that's great stuff, coach, because that's uh, that's inspiration for, I think, for coaches out there to hear that because everybody, you know, here again, it's unfortunate we're still dealing with, you know, foolishness in our society now, even as uh, integrated as we all are and that, that pandemic taking mm -hmm. place and we should all just have a little bit more consideration and love for each other. Yet, yet we're still dealing with that. 
And so, yeah, I hope I, I, hope, I hope people are really taking this to heart. Uh, now, Coach, can you recall a memorable moment of your first time coaching? Like you were out there, and it's like, whoa, this is it. I, I'm a coach now, and and I, you know, is there anything that stuck with you like that? Um, I, I think probably when I was a GA, um, a lot of that was a blur in between, you know, all the you know, responsibilities, doing any and everything, yeah. uh, the classwork, and then writing a thesis and everything. But I think coaching-wise, um, it, was, it was a special situation. I believe the other assistant was uh, recruiting, and I had been at, you know, the practices and uh, just being asked, hey, you know, what do you think about the starting lineup? And me, I, you know, you've you got to work for those opportunities and moments. Yeah. But I took about a second pause, and I just spit it out. And I thought, you know what, he's not going to agree to this. You know, he's probably going to think I'm crazy. But he did. He went with it. There was no hesitation. And I think at wow. that moment, I was just like, if I had to work this hard for this moment, I know what I have to do to even, you know, have a voice or be heard. Yeah. So let's get to work. And, you know, I didn't, you know, stop stop there. I just dug dug even deeper. And I think uh, that carried over to other moments because every job I had as I progressed throughout my career, it was tougher. And then I would work for somebody that, you know, obviously had a different perspective on the game and they wanted to know what you could and couldn't do, but at, you just got to be prepared. And I think that was a moment that was like, oh, we're living this dream and we're going to live it as long as we can live it. Yeah, that's fantastic, Coach. Uh, you, those are those moments where it's like I belong uh, – I'm here where I'm at mm -hmm. because I belong here because some of us don't, right. feel, some of us don't feel that way. Some of us, some mm -hmm. of, especially when we're new to a situation or new to a staff or whatever organization program, uh, feel like an outsider. But once, mm -hmm. once your suggestions and, you know, and you know, as a head coach now, how important it is to, to listen and hear out your staff, but that you're not always going to do, you know, maybe what they suggest However, you do value their opinion right. and you do value their perspective. Mm -hmm. And so when it's like, yeah, let's mm -hmm. do that. You're right. Let's do that. And then it's, I belong. I'm plugged in. I'm, I'm, uh, yep. I'm, I'm adding value in other words. So that's great coach. I, I, I can see that because I've been through that too. So I can see that now coach, how'd your experience as a GA and an assistant coach and a recruiting coordinator, how did that all help you now as a head coach? I think more than anything, uh, it it just really showed me more about who I was, but also what I could do, uh, what my next gear was, yeah, um, what was important to me. Um, you know, I did everything, everything from you know polishing balls to scouting reports to recruiting all over the country, recruiting internationally. Uh, you name it, I, I did it. But at a certain point, I realized. It's no longer about what I knew. It was about what I could deliver. Yeah. Okay. Wow. As a head coach, the delivery, the delivery is more important than anything. How do you get players to respond? Who cares if you know, you know, how to run a stuff for uh, Princeton offense? Nobody cares. At the end of the day, how do you get your program to move forward? And we're, it's not just the players. How do you get your, you know, managers, your scout guys involved? How do you keep them involved? How do you keep them excited about basketball? Um, your support staff, you know, are they receiving the praise? Uh, are they making the connections with the kids? Uh, your resources on campus, you know, you're responsible for so many aspects of it all. And it just came down to delivery. And yeah. so um, I think 
I would not have been, you know, able to do well as a head coach had I not gone through those experiences as a GA, an assistant, an associate head, and a recruiting coordinator. Each each experience, I took away something valuable. You know, many do's, some don'ts, but at the end of the day, in my mind, uh, when I started my career, you know, when I was a red shirt, you know, when I was in college for one year, mm-hmm. I was actually like a student assistant coach, but the players would look to me and, you know, play calls and everything else and like just information, information. So I took that as an opportunity um, to develop, but to also say, I'm not a head coach yet, but in this instance, what did I learn from this? And I would always go back and take notes, take notes, take notes. And I just, I don't even know, I've got so many notes all over, but I can always go refer to those. And sometimes I'm looking, I'm like, did I write this? Like, what are you doing? You know, but I, you know, I would take that and apply it or not apply it. Or I may have a something similar, like a similar player or something. And so every experience, my goodness, it was just something valuable. And, and really it was the players and the people teaching me a lot more as opposed to watching a film and learning how to run an offense or a defense. Wow, Coach. I, I kind of want to go back to what you just what you said. It's so powerful. It's not about what you do. It's about what you deliver. I mean, that's that's solid. That should be in every coach's office because I think that right. – um, we can get we can get caught up in our own hype, and in our own wealth of knowledge, and kind of the, and here, right. like, like you talked about the X's and O's, like I, that old saying. It's not about the X's and O's; it's about the Jimmys and Joes, or are the are the Karens mm-hmm. and the Cindys. And you know, the reality of it is that, yeah, you you have to deliver. I mean, that's that's any profession, right? I mean, you're there's, there's a bottom, there's a bottom line. And if you're not, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, that's, that's what a job is. A job is you're getting right. paid, paid to find a solution to a problem mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. and produce. And so, yeah, I, I, I think that's fantastic. So every coach out there, I hope you're taking notes. Cause that was, that was powerful. And I appreciate you saying that. Cause I never heard it put that way. And it kind of put, it's yeah. <laughs> kind of putting a fire underneath my tail. When you say that, I'm like, yeah, man, it is about what I am. Um, my delivering well enough is what mm-hmm. I, what I need to kind of, uh, introspectively look at right. as well. So coach, what excites you about working right. with young people because you've done it for so long now, uh, well, well, you, you wake up every day. What excites you uh, to do that? Oh, wow. Um, the whole person, right. The, the yeah. connections, um, building a foundation with each individual, um, helping these young people realize that their strength is internal yeah. and, and helping them embrace who they are, what their gifts are, what their flaws are, and everything in between. And here's one thing that I really try to focus on. I wake up every day, and I, I really try to focus <clears throat> on on our young people as a whole, but I really try to focus on their real stat line, you know, that stat line that doesn't show up in the newspaper, yeah. okay? And I talk to my kids about um, any and everything, but I could have a young lady come in my office, and she may be down about something, Right. And a lot of people may not understand her situation, uh, her family situation, her relationship piece, how she is socially, how she is, you know, academically. And that's what I try to focus on. And I, I know that uh, a lot of our young women carry a lot of weight. And I know that as a, as a leader, as a mentor, I try to help these young women move forward in a sense of, hey, let's acknowledge these things. Let's work on these things. And basketball will take care of itself. But as women, we're always taught, you know, um, suck it up or, you know, 
uh, hide your emotions, hide your feelings, or you're whining or you're crying or you're not allowed to react and do all these things. Well, I let anybody come in my office and you can you can just be you. And I think part of that is the confidence that a lot of young women lack. And so what I'm trying to do is fuel their minds and their bodies and their spirits. I'm trying to help them love them. And wow. that is what wakes me up every single day. And I know you say you should probably be talking about basketball. No, no, no. It's not about basketball. It's always bigger than that. I know you've heard of that saying before. But to the, the true people of influence, it's got to be bigger than basketball and bigger than anything that's like materialistic or superficial because these young women are the future leaders, right? Yeah. And so yeah. what I try to do is um, make sure that I'm helping them stretch into that next dimension called the real world. And being able to have these young women stand on their own two feet and be confident, you know, walk a certain way, talk a certain way, and be a certain way when they leave me, that's when I know, okay, they're going to be okay. And that's more powerful to me than anything. So I, I, what excites me, the whole person. I love wow. young people, and I love, I love what I do. And I, I know that it, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of practice. Uh, you know, I've failed a lot of times. There are things I could have done better. But at the end of the day, it is our young people that need us now more than ever. And so I'm an advocate, and I'm, I'm trying to pump them up. And I'm trying to gas them up, you know, before breakfast, after breakfast, you know, after <laughs> yeah. workouts or whatever, even yeah. after we lose. But that, that's, that's what excites me. Yeah, no, Coach, you, you're saying so many powerful things that I think every listener who either is coaching right now or aspires to coach hopefully is implementing uh, because we get so – if we don't – and we're learning this through this through this quarantine, pandemic, whatever, COVID, you, if you don't have the players, you don't have a job. And so if, if we're not cognizant and super aware of that, we're going to lose sight of uh, gratitude for what we do and why we do it, who we're doing it for. And, and so mm-hmm. you, you can really appreciate your players that much more when you have them with you eventually. And when they're on campus right. and even when they're acting up, even when they're being knuckleheads, you still say, man, I mm-hmm. miss that. I really miss that. I'm, you know, you may not miss them being late to practice or <laughs> oversleeping or, you know, whatever. But even at that, there's still a sense of comfort in that because it's like, man, I missed I missed having to yell at them or chew them out. You know, uh, I think I think that's really important yeah. when you talk about the whole person, because everybody wants to be mm-hmm. holistic about everything. Uh, but uh, that's a that's a that's talking a big game. You have to actually even when you're dealing with with young people. You have to do it, otherwise they see right through it, and then you lost them. Mm-hmm. And it may take a while to get them back, mm-hmm. but you know you're saying. Mm-hmm. I just I love what you're what you're saying, Coach, because that's that's I think every coach needs to kind of wise up to that. We're we're not in the right. we're not in those years and, and in the age of kids being impressed by what we know. They they're they're not. Right. They're really not. They're impressed by how much we care and how much we love them. Like you said, teaching them how right. to love who they are. That's great. That's good stuff, Coach. So I would ask you, you that, you know, these young people, you said something that was key. Uh, they'll see right through it. You know, um, something I've learned over the years is if we don't practice it ourselves, right. Yeah. If they don't see it from us, whether it is, you know, the discipline, the integrity, practicing gratitude, then they will never buy in. Yeah. And, you know, young people, they will test you. You know, they will, will try certain things just to see if you're going to, you know, stand true to your foundation. And that's, that's my encouragement to some coaches now. 
stay true to your foundation. Don't don't yeah. go over here just because this player can drop 50. Bench that player. You know, and I've done it plenty of times. But at the end of the day, they want to see if you're true to your own core values. And I think that is it's paramount. It, it's very, very vital that leaders apply that themselves so that they then can reciprocate it and can mirror that behavior. Yeah. Wow. Practice what you preach. Don't just get up on there a soap, don't get up on a soapbox and then wax poetic and expect everybody just to mm-hmm. say, "Wow, that was a great speech." Yeah, <laughs> those kids yeah. usually they usually taking notes when you're giving speeches. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I, I've, I've seen I've seen eyes roll. I've seen people nod off because as, we as coaches mm-hmm. we get long winded, right? Like you talked about gassing them up before practice, get, after games, having to gas them up from a loss. That does happen where you're just like, hey, guys, you know, we'll bounce back. I love you. And then some of them are just like, whatever, we lost. Like, it takes time. It takes caring. It takes giving a darn. It's the best word I can use right now. But, you know, it, it just, you're so right in everything you're saying, Coach. And I, and I here again, I appreciate you bringing that up because that's an aspect of coaching that we all need to adhere to and, and implement. So, Coach, given the success you've had at the JUCO level, how has your career enriched your life? Because your life, your career, the players, that's all your life right there. Like, how how's all that, that experience enriched your life? I think it's, um, it's more about the people, right? Um, the, the experiences, the victories, the successes, you know, the failures, too. Yeah. I... I just think the, the interactions and I can recall, you know, recruiting trips, um, you know, doing scouts and doing a lot of different things, but always meeting people, always talking on the phone. And so after years and years of doing this, you know, you develop uh, a rapport with the game, but also people. And uh, that is how it's so meaningful because it becomes these, um, these people you could not only call on if you have a question about basketball, but if you're, you just want to talk about life and, you know, given the recent events, you know, with COVID and everything, you can reach out to these specific people and whether it's for encouragement, Hey, what are you doing with your kids and your students? Or, you know, just, just talk me through this. And, um, I think this is what's made my life, uh, meaningful. Uh, this is what's kept me going at times. Um, there are young players that, um, Sometimes I just don't know if I'm getting through to them. And then uh, I won't hear from them maybe for, you know, months or so after. And and years after that, they're like, hey, coach, I kind of see now what you were talking about. And I'm just thinking, wow, okay, we did something right. You know, how can I help you? And I think this is what um, this is what adds value to the coaching profession. It's the people. And I'm so appreciative to know so many wonderful people all around the world just through the game. And I don't think it's anything that I would trade. Definitely wouldn't trade it. Yeah, Coach, you're saying, you know, I've always tell people I'm in the people business as a coach, as a, as a mentor, as a teacher, as big brother figure, whatever they want me to be and whatever they want us as coaches to be in their lives because they choose what we're going to be to them. And uh, if we're in the people business, yeah, we have to be so aware of other aware not just self-aware. We got to be aware of what's going on in their lives, the change in the change in their demeanor, their disposition, uh, words they're saying. You know, you got to catch something different that they're, they're talking different. They're talking down on themselves too much. 
And then, like you said, you met a lot of people through the game. I mean, that's your life becomes so much more uh, in, in, enriched, yeah, by the more people that you know and people that you can count on at times and people that you may not be able to count on, but at least you have that connection and that association. And so there's just a lot of joy that comes from, I believe, being a people person in this game. And so, I, I, I do, yeah, I think what you're saying is so true. Now, you know, I, I'd appreciate some your candidness with this question, Coach, because it's we all have some, I guess, regrets or things that we would want to change about our careers or our, you know, our experience within the career. I mean, we, we all would. And some of us would, you know, some of us don't want to be vulnerable enough to kind of discuss that. Oh, but I would ask you, Coach, is there anything you would change about your career? And if so, why? Oh, yes. Um, so I'm going to be pretty transparent on this one. Um, okay. And, you know, I know you don't know a lot about me, but um, I've been really working on the vulnerability aspect, especially being a leader. Yeah. And um, something I would change about my career, <clears throat> I would go back and I would take better care of myself. Okay. And I would make sure that I was pouring into my own cup. And wow. you say, why? Well, let me tell you why. Because from a young age, I've always taking care of other people. I've always poured into everyone else's cup. And I've always mirrored the behavior of my mother, which is phenomenal. And I'm no superwoman like she is, but, you know, her never complaining, never crying, always, always delivering for someone else for decades. That is what I mirrored. And I didn't take the time for myself. And so this is what I would tell younger coaches. And this is what I tell my, my players now. You know, practice your self-care. Take care of yourself. Fuel your mind, right? Take care of your body. Uh, If you have a problem or a question, don't internalize it and overanalyze it. Let's talk to somebody. Maybe it's not me you want to talk to, but let's let's try to have a conversation that a lot of people don't want to have. And it's really just that level of discomfort across the board, Mm -hmm. but let's have it. Let's do it so we can be a better version of ourselves for others. And, you know, now some of the practices that I do, um, I take, if I'm having a busy day, which is a lot of days of the year, I will (laughs) take five to 10 minutes a day and I will, I will breathe and I will pray. And it is, it's powerful. Uh, you know, it's imperative for my foundation, but I've also practiced better nutrition Yeah. because, you know, our people are not always educated on what to put in their bodies. Yeah. And so I've practiced that. And I have noticed a significant difference in myself, um, you know, yeah. clarity, yeah. Um, my delivery. Okay. So I was going, you know, working all these hours and you try to, okay, I'm leaving the office late and doing all these things. And I'm like, why am I tired? Why am I tired? Well, I wasn't fueling my mind and body. So here yeah. I go again, you know, facing back to these steps. So what would I change? You know, I climbed that ladder fast. I know you, you, you've probably seen some of my stops, but every, every stop is an advancement. Yeah. Right. And I just realized I looked up one day. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, I got to take care of myself. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm thin. I look deep. I'm living out of suitcases trying to um, do my job, my job, my job. Well, at the end of the day, you know, that, that comes to a full stop. And it, it ends up affecting, you know, people in different ways. But what it did to me, it, it put me on my backside. It sat me down. And I really had to do a, a self-evaluation, which I do every night. Yeah. And so I would change that. Uh, in a heartbeat. And I, again, practice what you preach. Well, I'm telling my young women, take time for yourself. Do you need a day 
um, away? Do you need to go home? Uh, do you need more apples, more bananas? What do you need, right? Yeah. To help you get through this day to be better for others. And so that's 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 me being vulnerable right there. Nah, coach, you you're saying you're speaking to a lot of coaches right now. In that, that's our. Uh, that was I had an issue with that. I'd be really transparent myself. I had an issue with everything you're talking about, our culture, right? Our culture is that, oh, you want more? You want more? You know? Yeah. How, how did you like the food? Yeah. You want more? Here, have more, have more. And, uh, you know, and I got, you know, as a for growing up as a kid up into my adulthood, you know, it's kind of how I live my life. And there was a point where it was like, like you said, I had to sit myself down, had a situation come up to change everything. And self-care, like you said, I was so caught up in career, you know, other things that really were secondary, not even secondary, honestly. Uh, but it was like, why, why don't I take care of myself? This is my temple. This is what I'm going to have. I only get, I only get one shot at this. That's what my doctor told me. One shot. <laughs> he said, yes. he said, you know, Mike, you only get one shot at this, man. So, uh, you know, take care of your body. And, uh, you know, so everything you're saying, coach, so true. And then for players as well, because I think it speaks to mental health as well, physical health, mental health. Here again, the whole person, like you said earlier, the whole person. Uh, it's so phenomenal. So I, I do appreciate you bringing that up. Now, coach, uh, from the from a not even a female's perspective of the game, because I think the game is the game is the game, male or female. But from the respect factor, as far as the game is concerned, do you feel women – get the respect they deserve in this profession? Okay, so the pause was intentional. <laughs> um, I wish you could see my face right yeah, now. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, so I'm, I'm a body language coach, yeah. and I just rolled my eyes, so I'll apologize to my girls for that later because I'm always <laughs> teaching them about, you know, let's practice good body language. But yeah. uh, do I feel that women get the respect? I would stop it right there. Okay. Let's not even go to the profession. Okay. Do women get respect? No. I think that's just across the board. But why? Yeah. Uh, it goes back to uh, teachings, okay, to households, yeah. to how women are not praised for any and everything. And the, the norm and the uh, expectation is women are supposed to fall into this one category. And yeah. I'm not going to name all those, you know, things that go into it, but we all know we're supposed to nurture, we're supposed to do these certain things and and uh, be that in a man's eyes. Yeah. And so, no, we don't get respect. But I think what could help, right, is not allowing that behavior and praising women from a young age, praising each other, praising yeah. one another. Yeah. And I think um, uh, in regards to our profession, uh, we've got to do a better job of pushing uh, more women. And now that we've got this thing, you know, technology, social media, we need to hear these women's stories, yeah. facts only, because if we don't hear those stories, how can we relate But How can we, you know, support that? Right. And if, if you're talking about influence, how are our young people influenced? Well, that cell phone is, is never more than a foot away from them, right? <laughs> and so I feel that if we're going to, to be able to advance, you know, the respect level, I think it's got to be a conversation. Yeah. But I, again, I think it goes back to the teaching. And this is something I do. I've got a big family, you know, and I've got uh, a lot of nephews and stuff. And I, I try to teach them, you know, that women are 
and then they fill in the blank. You know, they're beautiful. We're going to give them compliments. And so, yeah. you know, my nephews will walk around and sometimes they'll give, you know, one of my nieces a compliment and just praise them or she's good at this. You know, you're good at this. Come help me with this. Yeah. And I think that is a learned behavior, yeah. but it's also an allowed behavior. Yeah. And so, no, I wish, uh, I pray, I hope, I dream that one day the women will deserve, you know, and, and get that respect in our profession because, um, for someone like me who looked at transitioning to the men's side at one point, all, all the, everything I got was just basically you'd have to reset your career. You know, you'd have to go in the academic route, even though I've got an outstanding resume, it's not the best resume, but it, it's pretty outstanding for me at this point in my career. Yeah. And I just thought about, man, that's, that's, that's tough. You know, whereas, whereas a male can come on to the women's side and never been ever even coached women before. And so I think the respect, is not reciprocated. And I think yeah. that starts with the conversation. And I, I think we've got to do a better job as a whole with that. You're, you're hundred percent correct in that, uh, from societal level conditioning, you know, like you talk about mm -hmm. cultural conditioning. And that, when, I, when I say cultural, I mean, your, 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 uh, your home culture, culture, not necessarily Hispanic, African-American. No, I'm talking about just what's your culture at home. That's uh, always going to dictate a lot, you know. Uh, I think you talked about some of the stereotypes, you know, women are passive and just, you know, sweet and kind. And they don't ever, you know, they'll never stand up to you. They just kind of take it and subservient and all those horrible kind of uh, stereotypes. I, I live with five women. Right. I live with five women. And, and those stereotypes <laughs> do not exist. <laughs> And, and it's because, like you uh -huh. talked about, it's an allowed thing. I allow my daughters to be, you know, uh, aggressive to an extent, and I allow them to speak their mm -hmm. minds. I, I uh -huh. you know, do a lot of affirmation, reaffirming them, and letting them know how great they are. Uh, you know, tell, simple things like telling our wives, guys out there listening, our wives, our daughters, you know, hey, wow, you look good today. You're beautiful. Things like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, you may think it's kind of painstaking, but it means a lot to them. Uh, and then more importantly, who they are as a person, not just how they look. You know, it's it's mm -hmm. like st stand, uh, stand, don't sit, don't lay down, stand and do it. Because if you just say it in passing, right. doesn't mean much, to be honest with you. Well, I told you, and I said, you know, and I think that's the problem society has is we say things in passing. Oh, I love you, bro. Hey, love, hey, love you, girl, whatever. Uh, but when you stand and you look somebody in the eye and you, you know, say something and you really mean it, it makes all the difference in the world and it can really change paradigms. So, yeah, I hear what you're saying. And, 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 when, and in the game and in the profession, there's just there's there's people that have to step up to the plate and kind of demand that there's equality in a sense. There's, there's, there's people who are so well-respected in the game and in the profession that if they were to stand up and just voice something and, and speak out, things would begin to change. The, the conversations would change. Um, but that's still kind of one of those things where most people are afraid to, you know, rock the boat because there's money to be lost <laughs> or there's money to be made or whatever. But I believe, quite honestly, Coach, that um, my years of, of being an administrator at a high school and, and in the school system, 
everybody who assisted or helped or led anything well or took the bull by the horns was never a male. Wasn't. It was always a female. I always knew, like, okay. I had one, I had okay. one parent that just, man, she was a go-getter. She worked at the school, too. And I almost could just close my eyes and take a nap. She would take care of everything. I wouldn't even have to ask. She'd be like, all right, coach, you need to do this. We need to do this. We need. She was I did. She wasn't on my staff, but you know, I, I've always known that. Like, you know, hardworking women. Uh, they've once we've got to pay, you know, not just respect, but also we got to recognize them and tell them, hey, look, you're doing a great job. This is you're doing better than I would. Like mm-hmm. my like my mom. When I look at my mom, I look at my wife. I look at you know even my sister. My oldest daughter, I mean, I'm looking like, man, these, these are warriors. I can't do what you do, you know? Yeah. You know, I, and, and, I'm, and I'm well yeah. well aware of that fact. And so, yeah, you're right. It's a society thing that needs to trickle down to the profession. And because my daughters are uh-huh. coming up, and as my daughters come up, yeah. I'm, I'm going to demand from them that they demand respect. That's just how that's going to go. Uh-huh. And, uh, and they're going to demand Absolutely. it by, by their results. And like you talked about delivering. That's how they're going to demand it. And so that's just so great, Coach. I, I do appreciate that. So now, like, kind of piggybacking off of that, could you just take a moment, Coach, to encourage our female listeners who have the, who have the desire to, like, pursue a career in coaching or leadership in athletics? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think I would start with um, embracing yourself as a whole. You know, know your strengths, also know your weaknesses. Uh, but you know, walk into a room uh, with intention. Walk into a room ready to learn. Be an observer, right? Um, don't always feel the need to explain yourself. Okay, um, I would I would tell young people um, to to be in a position, right, to speak up for yourself, and always be ready um, to compete. Yes, but always in the sense of you're more than just a seat at the table, right? You probably are the table and you don't even know it yet. And so I would tell younger people trying to come into the profession or in a position of leadership, you know, stop conforming to that conventional picture. Okay, because as a woman, you're, you're always thinking, okay, what do I look like? What do I feel like? What do they think? What do they feel? What? Stop worrying about all that. And I, I believe that the moment, you know, we as women, Stop thinking about what others think and what others, you know, feel are, are how our picture should be painted. That's when we really start stepping into ourselves as women. And I, I think that the best way to encourage, again, is to to value, to value one another. And um, I remember a couple of times in my career where um, I wasn't being heard or listened to until, um, you know, one day in a calmer voice, not with that high-pitched tone, mm-hmm. um, pretty level-headed. I just said, I have something to say. And so the whole room went silent. And I don't know if it was necessarily that people were waiting for me to say something or, you know, really what was behind it. But I know that my words have value because there, there's been practice put into it. But I, I would tell women the same, you know, um, voice your opinion. So what if you're told no? So what if you're laughed at? So what if you're judged or told, you know, to be quiet and, you know, know your place and all these things I've been told. That doesn't matter. That shouldn't discourage you. More than anything, that should be fuel to your fire. And so um, I would also encourage, um, you know, anybody who's looking at a leadership position to, to grow. My goodness, 
So there's this saying, you know, uh, what is faith that if, it, if it isn't tested? Well, mm-hmm. replace the word faith with growth. What is growth if it isn't tested? Wow. And this was this was life changing for me because at a certain point, you know, when you feel complacent or when you feel like you're not doing something, that's probably a good sign and an indicator that you need to do something not necessarily different, but you've got to keep growing. And so that's when I would do, you know, more research. I would read more books and I would reach out to more mentors because I knew that I didn't want to stop growing. And this put me in a better position to be a better leader, you know, for our, for, for the young women that I'm around every single day. And I look at it this way. If I'm one of the first people they see and I'm one of the last people they see at the end of the day, and then one day I let them go after they graduate and they transfer to a university, you know, you know, we talked about standing on your own two feet. How is that young person going to be able to lead? And like you had your daughters, you know, stand up for themselves. I want to know that my young women are going to move forward. And, you know, when they become, you know, available for a a promotion or something, that they're going to be able to voice their opinion, but not just voice it. They're going to be heard and they're going to be respected. And so I, I I would encourage, you know, young women, don't be afraid to apply for that position. Don't be afraid. Uh, you know, to step out on a limb and say, ah, I probably will fail. You know what? You're going to fail. And that's something that was hard for me to hear too, because, you know, growing up how, how I did, you know, and I, I see this mom and I don't think she's failing, you know? Yeah. And if she does, yeah. she never tells me about it. And so I'm trying to, you know, perfection, perfection and trying to deliver, deliver and always saying yes. And, and I would tell young women, don't worry about that, right? Go take those chances, right? And, and go learn something about yourself. Because you can learn a lot about your failures, but if you treat your failures the way you do, you know, your successes, that is also growth. Yeah. Wow, Coach. You said a lot. And I'm, and I'm, I'm really struck by what you said. What is growth without it being tested? Like, that is, uh, I don't know, we, I, we talk a lot about growth and development on this show because it's super mm-hmm. important for us to to just be more, be better every day, uh, not just for ourselves, really, right. but for those that we serve, because it's about service, it's about people, it's about adding value. There's so many things it's about, but growth, I mean, like, you can walk away from these situations. Like, talk about failure. Failure's part of it. That's mm-hmm. part of that process everybody talks about, but nobody wants to talk about the failure. <laughs> we just want to talk about the, right. the, the good part of the process, the beginning and the end of it. But within the middle, there is failure. And I believe that your encouragement right now to our listeners, uh, it will really bring a sense of like, she she went through some things. I'll probably go through some things. It's, a, it's, it's 100% going to happen. Like failure is going right. to happen. Like, but it's growth. It's a, it's a learning situation. So, yeah. Thank you for everything you're saying because that's uh, so, so, so true, Coach. So thank you for that. Now, Coach, I would ask you, what have you learned about yourself throughout your career? Um, well, I'm going to go back to being transparent again. Uh-huh. Um, I I believe um, I've always had, you know, the tools to be, you know, successful. Right? I've had this work ethic that is unreal, and I I believe at a certain point that with the vision and experience something wasn't lining up, something wasn't matching. And so I then understood that, you know, I wasn't declaring it, right? And I was declaring it in silence, okay? So when my my work ethic matched my declaration and my declaration matched my vision, 
then I could fulfill my purpose. And so I'm not talking about, you know, the status, you know, the wins and breaking records and doing all that stuff. I'm talking about the power of influence, like servant leadership. Okay. It took me some time to figure it out. But when these were aligned, right, and I was declaring it and I was speaking it into existence, I became unstoppable through purpose. Wow. And so everything else started to fall in line. Everything followed suit. And it was like my life, it didn't become easier, but it was like the break that I needed. Everybody's always talking about a breakthrough break. I'm not talking, again, about winning the game. Those are great because I can do that. But this this was powerful. And, and we always talk about finding your purpose, finding your purpose. Well, I knew my purpose but I wasn't aligned in certain aspects of it. Yeah. And so I would encourage people to, to declare it, you know, make sure that everything is matched and aligned, right? So that you can fulfill what it is you're supposed to fulfill. So what did I learn about myself? That from a younger age, I'm always used to working in silence, right? And I would always declare it internally. My self-talk, you couldn't tell me any different. Now, externally, you might be saying some words, but I might not be listening or hearing you because it might not be, what, what matched my vision, yeah. right? And so internally, I was declaring it in, in my self-talk. And then at a certain point, I was like, no, this is what I'm going to do. So I no longer explained it. I just would say, hey, mom, this is what I'm going to do. She's like, okay, go, you know? And, and I didn't expect anything from her. It's not that I needed her blessing or anything, but it's powerful, you know, to, to hear that from the woman that has paved the way for me to be successful. Yeah. And so I encourage young people to declare it, own it. If you're going to do something, let's line let's line it up, you know, so that you can in turn, you know, fulfill your purpose. Wow, Coach, I like, you know, so many things you're saying are so powerful. It, you know, you talk about self talk though. That's one thing I, I don't think we pay attention to our self talk enough. Like we're not really. Right. It, most of our self talk is usually negative. Be honest, unless, mm-hmm. unless we really stop and, and become intentional about it. Most of our self talk uh-huh. is like Man, that was dumb. It's stupid. What's wrong with you? You know, it's like we're criticizing uh-huh. ourselves more than like what you talked about praising earlier. We need to praise ourselves to an extent. Like you talk about de- declaring things out loud, and not in silence. Like that's strong. That's so that's so strong because yeah. I, I'm of the mindset that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Everything you say either either brings life. Or, or discourages the situation or brings people down. And so I just would rather bring life, declare things into existence, like you said, but the work ethic, wow. The work ethic's the tough part because yep. we, we, can, yeah. we can believe in ourselves and have confidence, but then we got to hear again, it goes back to what you said, delivering and delivering for ourselves at that moment because we're, we're helping ourselves to fulfill that vision, that purpose. So I like the way all that connects, Coach. I really do, and I'm going to steal that uh, because, because right. it's so good. It's right. so good. Right. It is. It is. So I, here again, I appreciate that. Now, Coach, I asked mm-hmm. a lot about legacy. My last question is always about legacy and, and kind of what you want to or what you want people to say about you when it's all said and done. And and I and I know you've got a long ways to go. Uh, so I'm not. I don't. Um, it's not a self reflection of when you're. Uh, you're up and old and age and you're just kind of like, you know, what do I want to be? You know, it's more like, it's more like, what would you want people to say of you, you know, throughout your career when it's all said and done, what would you want to be said of you coach? Oh, it's tough. I I think I want people to say she was the ripple in the water 
wow. you know, that helped me create my own waves in my life. Uh, she led with grace, and her love had no limits. Wow. I don't think anything else could be said. I, I think that I would hope that, you know, a lot of people would say some good things about me. But uh, at the end of the day, if, if I'm winning trophies and I'm people to remember me for the wins and stuff, then I haven't done my duty. I haven't I haven't done my job. Wow. Um, I've lost a lot of great people. I've lost a lot of great mentors. And I look at what they left me and left behind. And it was it was the power of their influence and how they led uh, with grace and how they loved everyone and anything. And they were willing to to uh, help anyone along the way and create opportunities. So that's something that I would want to reflect and be remembered for. Coach, I thank you so much for your time. It's been real. And uh, and I do, your, your perspective is fantastic. And so thank you so much for taking the time and making the time to be on. Well, hey, thank you so much for having me. I mean, I appreciate this. I appreciate you connecting, you know, coaches and, and listeners and everything. I love your energy. I love your purpose, and, and you. I'll definitely stay tuned. Thank you so, so. much, Coach. I, you know, here again, what what uh, the goal of this podcast is to get people's stories out there, but also to be right. of encouragement to each and everybody listening, mm-hmm. coach or not, player or, or even if you have nothing to do with the game of basketball. If you're listening, you're a leader. You're anybody who has influence and want to talk about impacting lives. That's that's what we talked about today. That's for darn sure. And so here again, Coach, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you.